So we just finished uh, the three Jukai ceremonies to help people um, support them on this path of uh, awareness. And I'd be happy to take uh, questions, especially for people that have never seen this before. If there are any questions, please don't hesitate. I'd be happy to respond as best that I can. Yes. You often say that we uh, don't take precepts, we observe them. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between taking a precept and observing it? So um, taking it or obeying it or something like that is a, more like a rule or a law, whereas to observe the precepts is, is more situational. Um, like uh, the three, the 10 uh, prohibitory precepts, excuse me. The first one is uh, um, not to kill. And if you're going to be alive, you're going to kill something or you can't live. So it may only be a uh, uh, cabbage. You're going to kill something. And uh, from the point of view of ultimate reality and relative reality, uh, cabbage is a living being. Uh, a cow is a living being. Uh, human beings obviously are living. So be very careful about... Uh, not creating your own little hierarchy of what's valuable and what's not. Very important. This doesn't mean you go the other way and say, everything's even, we can just kill anything we want. So um, the, the idea, I think, uh, is to, excuse me, is to encourage us to really look at every situation and look at it situationally so you can really, instead of just having a law where you can suddenly just, uh, just kind of close everything out and just uh, obey the letter of the law, so to speak, uh, there are other traditions that do that, and that's fine. They should not wrong, which is another way. The way we do that is to observe or uh, receive and and look at that. So when it says uh, not to kill, when it says not to lie, there may be times when it might be the best thing for you to lie. Might be best for you to, and I, we can all come up with a story where it might be better to not tell somebody uh, the truth. Uh, one I often say is somebody comes to your door. And they, they're terrified somebody's chasing them. You let them in. You're not sure what's going on. They want to hide. Uh, you say, well, go back there. And then somebody comes to the door, acts very friendly, just looking for my um, whatever. And uh, you sense that probably shouldn't be honest with this person because of the someone else is uh, terrified. So, so it should be very, very situational. This doesn't let you off the hook from being responsible. When I, uh, responsibility is not in the Buddhist tradition, it's not about blame. Uh, it's not about credit or blame. It's about the ability to respond. In other words, you have the ability to respond to each situation as it is, and you are responsible for how to act ethically, appropriately, respectfully with each person rather than just shut out who's in front of you and follow some letter of the law where this person needs to be killed because they killed somebody else, which is what is done in our primitive society quite often, not only quite often, all the time. It's rare to find a society where, where the ethics are based on your heart rather than your paranoid uh, thinking process. More? Um, what's so painful about not having any more war there? In terms of the marks of the, marks of the, um, the change of mark, was really a visceral um, talk about that. Um, to the point where it seemed painful. And I'm wondering, what is what is that, that sense of pain? So, uh, it's uh, knowing that you you can't go to war with war. Even though war shows up, war is knocking at your door, can't go to war with it. It's uh, You're done with that. And that doesn't mean that you won't be uh, suffer. That you won't have difficulty with that. But there has to be, at some point, you have to fundamentally 
stop going to war. And that might be involved seeing how warlike you are. So the painful part is seeing that you just can't turn that off. You know, if you just went to war with something or somebody or your own mind yesterday, you might realize you probably aren't going to be able to shut that off right away. What do you do with that? Continue to look the way you keep objecting to your life by going to war. Don't agree with anything. Don't object to anything and don't distract yourself or look away from anything. This is called awareness. This is the nature of uh, the Buddha's Dharma, the Buddha's truth. Buddha's truth is nothing is separate from anything else. It just looks that way. Mainly it is mistaken identity, meaning that you, me, us, we all think we are somebody that needs protection or needs, needs advancing or shouldn't be uh, dismissed or that's uh, so all. Oh, yes. No question. Okay. It seems like um, the precepts could be very personal and the vows, and we could do that on our own and connect with those. Yeah. So why, what is the benefit of doing it formally with a teacher? So the, the three jewels in Buddhism is called the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. The Buddha is someone who is sane, maybe the historical Buddha, maybe a Buddhist teacher. Uh, and the Dharma is the truth that he taught, which is everything is dependently arisen. There's not a separate being anywhere. The worst being you've ever were, uh, met and the most wonderful angelic being you've ever met are not separate from each other. If you think they are, you'll fight, you'll go to war, and you'll be afraid of some things and you'll be totally in love with other things. Just a misunderstanding. So in order to have the Buddha as the example, the Dharma is the truth that he taught and the Sangha of the community. In order to use that structure, that gives you a way of having a mentor, someone that you can talk to. It gives you uh, something that you can study or uh, understand, which is 2,500 years of, of cumulative teaching, not revealed. The Buddha didn't reveal anything. He was a man. He ran into suffering in his own life in an ancient kingdom and decided to find out uh, what was fundamentally true. So uh, what he found out is dependent origination. Pratitya Samudpada, everything is dependently arisen. There's no separate thing anywhere. No separate being. Separated, yes, but not fundamentally separate. And that fundamental situation is what uh, Buddha is talking about. And then the community of people that are all working possibly under the same teacher and, uh, and trying to clarify or try to live a sane, uplifted life where they're supporting themselves and others. It is not a belief system. Buddhist, uh, if someone is actually practicing Buddhism, they don't necessarily believe in anything. They don't believe in Buddhism. They don't believe in Buddhism. Belief is, uh, this is how belief looks over here, not, not, not to someone who believes that's your path. You should do whatever you feel like you should do. But, but the idea here is when you believe something, you've stopped investigating. Someone on the Buddhist path never stops investigating. Take nothing for granted. Don't even take your teacher for granted. Don't take the, the Buddhist teaching for granted. Find out for yourself. It is a, a path where you sit down, hold still, and see, uh, witness your own craziness rather than try to shut it out or cover it up or justify it or blame someone else or blame your family or blame causes and conditions or your terrible karma. So being fundamentally responsible is uh, the path. And how do you do that? You look at how, how irresponsible you are. You have to look at the negativity in order to fundamentally train yourself. Um, so Buddhism is called a non-theistic? Yes. So what is, is non-theism? Non-theism uh, just means it's just a different kind of spiritual path, not better, not worse. It's just a different way. Some people can't do a theistic, uh, having some kind of a deity that they worship. Uh, 
they can't do it that way. So therefore, they might not even go that way. And then they might stumble into uh, the Buddhist teaching and find out the, you're not asked to believe anything. It's not that some Buddhists don't have a belief situation going. They do. Um, so it's, it's non-theistic. In other words, there is no there is no authority. Get your own authority. Yes. Earlier you said that we continue to investigate. Yes. What does it mean to continue to investigate? In our tradition, it means sit down, hold still, and watch the movement of the mind until the, until the movement uh, ceases. As long as there's something moving, this is confusion. I'm not saying a relative thing, things don't move. Of course they do. But they're not separate. And if they're not separate, then the actual movement is in the context of the relative situation. Unless you see it with awareness, if you see it with concepts, then we're right back to two and two equals what? Was it five? No. We're right back to figuring things out. It's not that you can't figure things out. It's just that, uh, have you guys tried that? You notice how hard it is to figure things out? No, you can't really figure things out because you, there's no way you can get all the information. There's always something missing, something missing. So, Brian, um, the title of a book, Buddhist book com- is coming up, The Wisdom of Understanding. Mm-hmm. How do we um, continue to function when things are not clear? Because that which needs clarity is the ego mind, which wants to control and protect itself and wants to advance its own ideas and so on. It's called the mundane path. And there's nothing wrong with it. Most of the world is doing that. Looking at the situation, evaluating it, trying to figure out what a person can do to get ahead, make more money, be more famous, be more secure, all of the mores, more of this, more of this, more of this. Whereas uh, from the point of view of these teachings, the wisdom of insecurity means that you're finally going to be able to look at your own security, insecurity without covering it up with ideas, uh, beliefs, opinions, conclusions, exclusions for that matter, and you're willing to look at the insecurity. This is the beginning of uh, beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is not uh, has nothing to do with thought patterns. It has to do with a fundamental openness that doesn't see anything separate from itself, nor does it see anything that is the same as itself. It doesn't deal in those kinds of merchandising mentality of uh, success and failure, success and failure, gain and loss. It doesn't even it doesn't even go towards life and death. It doesn't see, it sees a differentiation, but it, fundamentally life and death are not two different things. They're two names for the same thing. If you, if you, if you see that, then you don't need proof. If you don't see that, then it's going to look fishy. And if it looks fishy, do something else. Or else if, if you're still curious about it, then train your mind. How do you do that? Sit down and look and see how untrained your mind is. Mind keeps going in circles. I want this. I don't want that. I like that. I don't like those, but I want those. Uh, you know, it just rotates around. If one day things are very successful, the next day they're not. I'm sure you've all noticed. Dio? You've used the word path a lot. People have received Jukai and also have path names. Um, so what do you mean by it? What do you mean by path? It's, uh, so there's ground path intuition. So the threefold logic, that's the way it's sometimes talked about, is uh, the ground is the basic threefold logic. The ground is suffering. If you're not suffering, then do something else. Go do something else. Your, your lifetime not, might not be that difficult. Maybe you should just go um, enjoy yourself, uh, be successful. So there's no propaganda. However, if you're suffering, you're having difficulty, then there's suffering happening. And the ground of this path is suffering. The Buddha's 
first word, uh, words out of his mouth, as far as we know, was life is suffering. He didn't say part-time. Sometimes we can cover up the suffering, and then we don't notice it until uh, we get really sick, or someone really that we really love gets really sick, or we're threatened by something. <clears throat> so the ground path in fruition is the ground of suffering. The path is that of awakening, or seeing clearly what the suffering is about. And then the fruition is uh, seeing the, the truth that nothing is separate from anything else. That, that who you are uh, was never born. The body's born, but who you actually are uh, is never born, therefore can't die. So who you are actually is not threatened. But unless you realize it, it's not just an idea you believe in. As I said before, belief is, is taking something for granted without in investigating. Everything should be investigated. And the way we do that in this tradition is that Sit down and watch it and look at what's happening hour after hour. Yeah. Um, when I think of a path, I think of something that's linear, like came from somewhere and it's yeah. going somewhere. Yeah. Um, is that linear concept of a path relatable to the teaching? Yes. So it's, it has a linear quality when it starts. First start, you, your own life starts to show up. You sit still and you notice the difficulty you've had and you... Maybe you decide that you're going to do this anyway and see how far your intuition will take you down into this material with the help of a teaching person, with the help of a community that are also doing the same thing, and with the help of 2,500 years of, uh, of a cumulative tradition, tradition, not a revealed one. Someone didn't come out of the sky and revealed it. That's not incorrect. That's fine. If, you're one of, if you have a spiritual path that has to do with someone higher that you worship, I would say do that. That's probably what you need to do. But if that doesn't work for you, then maybe this uh, non-theistic or non-God-centered uh, or creator-centered, uh, it doesn't mean that there isn't some kind of a center happening, but it just means that uh, don't ignore the fringe. You can't have a center without a fringe. And most centers are ignoring the fringe. More? Um, so I'm on a school called Pathways, and I'm wondering, I've asked myself, where does the pathway lead? And I guess I'm asking you that question now. Where does the pathway lead? Uh, path? This one? Yes. Freedom. Not a relative. Not freedom from something. Not freedom to do something. Fundamental freedom. No, no, more, no more cage of your afflictions. Your passion, aggression, ignorance no longer form a cage around you so that you can't move. You can't, you can't really love because you're terrified of losing someone. You can't really appreciate something because you're maybe thinking you might be wrong. So second guessing yourself all the time. Not everybody's doing that, but some are. So you're you're fundamentally free. Nothing can threaten you. Even death can threaten you because you you don't you you are no longer solely identified with this body mind. This in this case, this old man. It's there, but it's uh, it's not you. I think one of the precepts is no abusing the three treasures. Mm -hmm. And you often talk about sangha and how it's the most misunderstood. How do we uh, meet the Sangha out of our vows? Yeah. Just observe, don't correct anyone or anything. Even though when you see someone functioning this way or that way, that seems to be off the track or off the deep end or whatever, no commentary. Just don't, don't look away from it. Don't ignore it, but no added commentary on it. Like they shouldn't be doing. That's the wrong way of practicing. It's, it's, it's it's all over the place. You know that. You see it all the time. I see it all the time. More questions? Any questions from people who are maybe not familiar with what we're talking about? You don't have to have any. I probably don't have any answers anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Are we alone on the path? Both. Yeah. You're alone insofar as your practice. You're alone, but you're not alone in, in that other people are doing the same, uh, something very similar. And the, the teaching person, if you have a teacher, then you also have that person to connect with. And each person uses that dynamic differently. In ancient times or in ancient uh, cultures and so on, it was uh, much different than it is here in, in our culture, culture uh, much different. Yes. Shoka asked a question about Sangha and you responded, don't look away when someone's doing something wrong. That you might think was wrong. Yeah. What, what constitutes what's wrong on the path? Your, your projections about it. There isn't anything to correct. More? Less? Yes. So during the ceremony you gave tonight, it was a private name, a public Yeah, so it's been handled differently in, in ancient times. Uh, the public, the, uh, my teacher, um, um, used to, if you just received Jukai or the lay ordination, you just got one name. But my teacher, Kobanchita Roshi, gave both names. He told anybody who steps onto this path needs to get both names. So you would get the one for lay ordination and the one for full ordination. So everyone here uh, that was ordained today got their private name and their public name. So they're, they basically received ordination as a monk. They may, they may not practice that. They may not sew a robe, so on. But if they decide to do that, they already have their monk's name, which is a private name. That's the case. <laughs> and again, I would say people shouldn't do it unless they have to. Somebody say, well, should I've had people sometimes ask me, but... Should I? Uh, I'm thinking of it's not here. Has asked me, should I do that? And I say, no, don't, don't. A person that's been a student of mine for a long time, no, you shouldn't do this unless you have to. It's not. It's not a. It's not that kind of thing. You can you can practice this path without it, without ever receiving vows. You don't have to do it. It's up to you. Yes. I don't know. It's choiceless for me. I couldn't. Uh, I tried to avoid it for years. What? Well, it's probably not in the laundry room. <laughs> it's probably within you. It's something about your particular dynamic that you see. Uh, you're, you're meditating. You're studying this, and then it's going to show up in different ways. For some people, they know right away. I have students right now that have asked me. I've only known for a few months. Right away, they want to do this, and, and that's correct. They should do it. I mean, I'll push on them a little bit to see if that's really what they want. And other people have been practicing for many years. And some people take a long time. Gary's like 12 years, 12 or 13 years. Yeah. And finally he thought, I don't know if I can trust this guy. Or not. <laughs> you know, maybe he'll kick off before I um, finish my rocks. If we had to hurt this. Maybe you'll kick off. Yeah, I know. You came pretty close. Yeah. 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 I was thinking, I wonder if he's going to make it. <laughs> you made it. I made it. We're here. We do this. It's a mutual thing. It's something that you do together with someone. That's not someone something you do all by yourself. And as I said before, shouldn't do this unless you have to. It should be really, really strong because it's not a good thing to start and then stop doing. How do we work with our names? Uh, your name is uh, Ondo, Path of Grace, and then you should you should just use that in the Dharma setting. Uh, some people, uh, do you know, uh, um, you know. I mean, I guess a lot of names. Let's see. Um, um, I can I can really think. Yeah, Ho, Ho, Sanho. Sanho. Sanho is a Sanho actually legally changed his name to Sanho. 
And his name uh, was, what was his name? Huh? Jake. Jake. Oh, yeah, Jake. Yeah, that's right. He's also blind, so I don't know if it makes any difference. You know, can't see. So he really wanted to tighten it right up. So so he would, use, he would always use it in a Dharma setting, like here in the Sangha, the community, but not necessarily in your everyday life. That'd be up to you. It'd kind of, that'd be kind of odd. Something I use mine all the time, everywhere, unless somebody calls me Bob and I say, <laughs> I don't mind that. People can call me by my the name I was given when I was born. It's not a problem. When we received our precepts, there's 16 of them in our tradition, which includes the Bodhisattva vows. Yes. The refuge vows, the three that sometimes we take as a preliminary step in some Buddhist traditions, you say that you can give those back. Or traditionally, you can give them back, but you can't give back the bodhisattva vow. No. What's the difference? The refuge vows, I take refuge in the Buddha as the example of someone who is sane. I take refuge in the Dharma as the truth that he taught. I take refuge in the Sangha or the community. So you can, it's just your own personal situation. But if you say, I, I vow to be with all things I found to save all beings, uh, you can't really do that because you've just taken a vow to save everybody. In other words, this doesn't mean you save them. There really isn't anybody to be saved. But you take that vow so that you can tune in to the otherness of the world. There isn't anything else. It just looks like it. So you can't, you can't really, once you've had the inspiration or the aspiration uh, to, to help people, uh, pretty hard to go the other way. Are most, excuse me, are most of those about ourselves when we take those or observe the vows? You mean the refuge vow? Yeah. Yeah, it would be refuge vows, uh, um, being inspired by the teaching of the Buddha and wanting to bring yourself into that so you can so you can further understand it. That's the one we do in prisons. I don't do bodhisattva vows in prisons. But when we go into prisons, sometimes give, give vows to inmates, you know, and they, you know, they make use of them or they don't. You say, I don't do anything unless we have to. And you also say, don't conclude. Do you, do you make a form of a conclusion when you do something that you have to do? So when I say don't conclude, I know you can't help but conclude. I conclude. But if, if I say don't conclude, then you'll be more aware of the way you continually grasp at something, have an opinion, idea, a concept, a conclusion about something. And it's about, insofar as you can, just notice the way that you're doing that. And if you watch the way you do it, if you try not to do it, you notice you can't succeed at it. It just, it just happens. And the next thing you know, you're you're concluding things. You think that person's wrong or you think you're wrong. But, but by talking about it that way, it helps us to be more aware of the way our psychology is working over time in various situations with various people and so on. And but if you look at that long enough, the conclusion, uh, the tendency to want to conclude things starts to slow down. It takes a while. We find that we're just less interested in in having some kind of opinion. Opinions are not particularly helpful. They pro- helpful. They protect the ego. Didn't your mom say you should have opinions? Yeah, yeah. gotta have opinions. Well, what's your opinion? I don't have one. Train your mind. That's my opinion. <laughs> but uh, all that being said, I would say tr- trust yourself. No, don't don't believe anything I say. Do whatever you want to do. I have to have permission to help people. And even when they, if they ask for help, I still uh, don't necessarily believe them. Further questions? I want some really good questions. No good questions? Yes. How do we have a good question? 
Well, now it goes. <laughs> Go ahead. How do we see if we have permission? Permission for what? Just to help somebody in the situation. You, you'll know if somebody's uh, if somebody's talking to you about their life or complaining about something. You can tell whether they really they just want you to listen. Just receive. Uh, generally, when people are complaining or worried about something, and they just want somebody to talk to, they don't necessarily want to hear. They don't want you meddling with their life. They just want to tell you about things. But you just receive, and if they really, if they eventually say, um, I mean, you might say, "Is there anything I can do to help you?" Not really. I just wanted to talk about this. That's quite often what will happen. Or they might they might say, "Yes, you got any ideas?" Say, you know, have a conversation with them about it, but don't tell anyone to meditate. Not a good idea. Make them drag it out of you. Because if you tell somebody to meditate, then you become responsible for their, for their what happens to them when they meditate. Not a good idea unless you're a Dharma teacher. You know, and you you studied here for very long. Know that it's not that you might not see somebody. They could probably be a good idea if they trained their mind. But unless if they know you meditate, then that's all all that's necessary. Then they'll. If it's time for them to meditate, they'll probably ask you about it. But other than that, mind your own business. Yes. What makes somebody a Dharma teacher? Uh, they can't help it. I, like I say, in the monastery, I said, I tell you and everybody else, don't teach unless you have to. Or in this case, don't teach until I tell you to. So you you give me permission to help you. And I intend to do that. And if you take the permission away, I'll stop. That's what training monks is about, as near as I can tell. Yeah. Given that we live in a mostly Christian culture and we start using Dharma names and some, you know, even good friends or coworkers kind of um, either express concern or opposition. I think you're part of a cult. Yeah. 2,500 year old cult. Is, is there any way to work with that? And Don't tell them anything. Don't use your name in public. If, you're, if you have difficulty, just, just use. What's that other name you have? Karen? Yeah. No, she's Karen. As I said, make them drag it out of you. Don't don't promote anything. Don't promote Buddhism. Not a good idea because what you're what you end up promoting is you promote someone's preconceptions of Buddhism, and the only way you can they, they have to actually ask you a question about it and be open enough for you to say, well, it's a non-theistic path. There's not a deity involved. Well, isn't the Buddha a deity? Not exactly. He's just a dude who is suffering. So. Have a, a conversation, but always uh, let that person lead. If it's a, per, a co-worker, offer nothing. Not that you wouldn't want to help them, possibly, or might even think might be a good idea if they meditate a little bit, but you know, don't, don't promote it. Promote nothing. Or less. I've often wondered about um, just nomenclature and the different, across the different spiritual paths and um, the idea of no separation um, in other paths would be um, God or the one or universe. What is the difference? Uh, from the Buddhist perspective, it's done through the awareness rather than through the conceptualization of it. So people in this tradition right here will talk about we're all one. You'll never hear me say that. We're not all one. We're not separate which is a much more difficult uh, concept or idea to actually see deep, deeply into. So most traditions uh, have a lot of concepts around it. Buddhism does too, but it doesn't necessarily proclaim uh, that kind of situation. It says we're not separate, that everything is dependently arisen, but this has a, a singularity to it 
human beings have a singularity, but it's dependent on everything else. The, the simple one is uh, you can't be here without your mom and dad, and they can't be here without their mom and dad. And none of us can be here without millions and millions of years of evolution. So that's the way it looks. It might be seven days. I don't I really don't. I really I don't know how it all came about. All I know is what I see in front of me, and what I see in front of me is not separate, and that includes you. <clears throat> it's not that it's not separated, and that has to be respected. Very important to respect people's confusion and their clarity. If you get those confused back and forth, then you can you know, start to meddle with them based on your idea of what they should should or shouldn't be doing. <clears throat> it's quite a bit like uh, uh, quite often parents meddle with their children because they don't understand them. They try to get their children to do things that a child is not ready to do. This doesn't mean you shouldn't tell them to stay up. Don't pray or play with broken plans. More? Other questions? Well, that was easy. <laughs> Any other questions? Very good. Thank you so much. Should we dedicate to Sure. We'll stand and dedicate to Merit. Thank you. 